At Kroger, we believe it takes the right team to bring you the freshest produce. That's why we partner with farmers who grow only the best. And that level of teamwork means better, fresher options time and time again. Working with farmers is what it takes to be fresh for everyone. Kroger, fresh for everyone. It's the big $10 sale. So mix and match and get two, three, four, five, or even 10 for $10 with your card. So many great deals. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Could family genetics be a reason that no matter what we try, we still can't lose the fat and inches from our problem areas? To learn more, we spoke to Dr. Brian Strand from Sonobello. While some people can eat everything and stay thin, others diet and exercise daily and still pack on fat and inches to their problem areas. It's not your fault. It can be genetics. If you struggle to lose the fat from your tummy, love handles, thighs, and back, you're likely battling your family genetics. The good news is we have an answer. Sonabello uses a remarkable technique called microlaser fat removal. In one comfortable visit, the fat in your hardest places to lose is gone permanently. Stop wrestling with your family genes and lose the fat permanently. And right now, you can save $250. The results are life-changing. Do this for you. Don't wait. Visit sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. The Exxon Radio Show with Rob McConnell is largely an opinion talk show. All opinions, comments, or statements of fact expressed by Rob McConnell's guests are strictly their own and are not to be construed as those of the Exxon Radio Show or endorsed in any manner by Rob McConnell, Relmar McConnell Media Company, the Exxon Broadcast Network, its affiliated networks, stations, employees, or advertisers. All hit radio. Zone, a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. Now, here's your host, Rob McConnell. And welcome back to the Exxon, everyone. I am Rob McConnell, and for the next four hours, I'm your host, I'm your guide, as together we cross the time-space continuum to this place that I call the Exxon. It's a place where people dare to believe and dare to be heard. It's a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. And the Exxon comes to you Monday through Friday from 10 p.m. Eastern until 2 a.m. Eastern. Right here on the Exxon Broadcast Network, Talkstar Radio Network, Mutual Broadcast Network, and on Simul Radio. If you'd like to find out about the programming we have available for you 24-7, 365, right here on the Exxon Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. And for the Exxon TV show on Simul TV, www.simultv.com. Exxon Nation, my guest this hour is Cullum Holland, and he spent 25 years working in sales and marketing in the publishing industry. He was a member of the Harper Columns team, which published Paul Kolho's The Alchemist in 1993. Cullum teaches the art of spiritual alchemy in business and relationships, is a highly experienced columnist, and his interviews and articles are highly entertaining, full of humor and deep insights uh, to help others find true empowerment through inner transformation. Joining me now is Cullum Holland. And Cullum, welcome back, or welcome to the Exxon, I should say. 
Yeah, hi Robert. Hi Rob. Very very pleased to join you this evening. Tell us a little bit more about yourself and and how you got into be having such an interest in alchemy. Uh, yes. Well, um, I did have several titles that I could have chosen for the book mm-hmm. that I wrote, the secret, the secret of the alchemist. Um, one of them was the accidental alchemist, but I think somebody had already taken that, so I I couldn't use that uh, because it kind of I fell into it, as it were, um, through my through my my work in publishing. I was back in oh gosh, 1993 was it? Yes, uh, some people, some of your listeners probably weren't even born then, Rob, um, but. <laughs> We, uh, I was the uh, middle manager, if you like, the, the, the meat in the sandwich of HarperCollins in Sydney, Australia. Wow. It was a lowly position. Um, it, I wasn't at the, sort of the height of my profession, but I did have the, the uh, slightly envious job of, of discovering uh, books that were coming into the business from the various parts of the world. Yes. My job to decide how many of these books should be uh, published in Australia and um, it was late on a, on a Friday afternoon some books arrived in, in the mail uh, we didn't have the internet in those days mm-hmm. 1993 guys yes there was a world before <laughs> before the internet believe it or not right and um, these came physically in the mail and I was sifting through them thinking um, you know, there might be something interesting in this new bunch of manuscripts that came in. And there was this um, cover um, of, of a book. It was purple. It had a shepherd boy on it. Um, it was uh, there, there was a figure that didn't know what it was, an, an Arabian dress figure. But on the forehead of the Arabian dress figure was the all-seeing eye of God. And it was a book called The Alchemist by Paolo Kahlo, um, and many of you have read it, many of you have heard of it, but back then, believe it, uh, Paolo Kahlo was completely unheard of unless you were Brazilian um, <laughs> and you spoke Portuguese, because those, that was the only language that he'd been published in. So I broke all the rules, decided that um, I like the look of this cover, never judge a book by its cover, mm-hmm. except when it's a really good cover. Um, and I shoved it in my briefcase, went home on the weekend, looking forward to spending the weekend with the kids. And Sunday afternoon, out of the blue, it just popped into my head. Oh, you remember that book? I, oh, yeah, okay. Um, everybody's busy doing something else. I'll, I'll just grab a glass of wine. I'll sit in the backyard and I'll start to have a quick read of this. And I, You know, I've got half an hour to spare. I'll give it a quick skim read. Well, that plan went out the window immediately i read every single word i nourished every single word i got through to the last page of the alchemist by paolo Kahlo in english and i i just knew i just had the knowing if you like that this book was going to be a global mega bestseller what what, what was it that gave you that impression i mean besides the great cover it to, to, to use a cliche, it it resonated mm-hmm. at a depth within me beyond my intellect. And I was a really listen, guys. I was not into anything really around the subject of alchemy. I didn't really understand what an alchemist was. 
if you don't know the story of the alchemist, um, I recommend it, of course. It's a, just a little fable. It's just, a, in a way, it's just an extended short story of a, of a shepherd boy in Spain who has a dream that there's some treasure hidden in, near the pyramids in North Africa, and he sells his sheep, goes to North Africa, meets various interesting characters along the way, but goes through some real trials and tribulations and fears and temptations. The main temptation being, of course, just to keep giving up, to, to not go through the pain that he'd just putting himself through in his life and eventually I won't spoil the story for you because um, I'm going to let you um, en enjoy the ending but that story resonated with me this was a, not about a shepherd boy this was about me that's what the book did and I know very few books that would do that instantly simply and if it would do it for, for a massive skeptic like me um, who doesn't didn't particularly believe mm -hmm. that um, we are connected like the alchemists believe um, to the universe that we're one with all things that we're one uh, we're all uh, connected to each other and that there's there are forces available to empower us to to live fulfilled, uh, to uh, fulfilled lives, to to reach the the pinnacle of our ambitions and so on and so on. But if any book was going to encourage you to do that, then this book, The Alchemist, was going to do it. So um, to finish the story very quickly, I rang my colleague in California, whose job it was, I, I was reporting back to about the book and. And I woke him up really early on, on his Monday morning. Um, I had his home number. That was a real mistake on his part to give me <laughs> his home number because I rang him. You know, he was just got out of bed and I said, uh, he said oh, Carl, what are you doing ringing me at this time of the morning? And I said, I've got to talk to you about The Alchemist. He said, are you kidding? It's 7 a.m. Um, I haven't even had a coffee yet. So as he made his coffee, I said to him, look, you know, have you, have you read this book? He said, yeah, yeah, I've written it. I'm not in depth yet, but I've what and i said um look i want two hundred thousand copies for australia and his first remark was you know are you drunk are you crazy um probably the most i'd ever ordered of any book and we'd ordered books like a course in miracles by marianne williamson right. we'd ordered books by dr wayne dyer we'd ordered book i mean and he said, you know paula was unheard of it was the first book so i said no i'm I, I just know, Greg, trust me, I know. And he said, okay, okay, let me talk to everybody else. So we talked to everybody else. And we, they came back and, okay, we didn't quite print that many. Uh, well, I think we printed that many for the whole whole globe. It since has sold over 85 million copies and counting. It's been translated into 70 languages. It held the Guinness Book of Records for the most sold single book of any living author ever, ever, and was only beaten, your listeners have got to try and guess this, think of another really popular book that's, okay, that's probably most of your listeners' lifetimes, um, that's also a bit about alchemy, because that's the only other book that's ever beaten The Alchemist, and of course... Yeah, you got it. The it's Bible. J.K. Rowling's oh. Harry Potter. <laughs> Harry and Potter, my God. So two books, Rock, 
the two books that have made the Guinness Book of Records mm -hmm. in recent times that the most sold of a living author are both on the subject of alchemy. All right, stand by. We've got to take our first commercial break. And when we come back, more about this very interesting story with our guest this hour, Colm Holland. And we're going to be talking to Colin about the secret of the alchemist. And uh, this is coming up here on the Exxon with yours truly, Rob McConnell, from our broadcast center and studios in Crystal Beach, Ontario, Canada. Now, listen, if you'd like to get a copy of this book, all you need to do is go to Amazon.com, I believe. Am I correct there? Yep, that's it. And I believe the launch date is uh, later on this year. In, uh, what is it? August. August 1st. August 1st, and uh, for you people in the United Kingdom, July 31st. We'll be back on the other side of this break as we continue here in the X-Zone, a place where people dare to believe and dare to be heard. It's a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. And you're listening to yours truly, Rob McConnell. I'll be back. Don't go away. The pandemic has been hard on all our kids. New studies show more than one in three children who started school in the pandemic now need intensive reading help. Here's the good news. Your child can be reading in just 30 days, guaranteed, with Hooked on Phonics. My first grader was behind in reading, and this program has made a huge difference. She's now reading above grade level. I use it for my kids' nightly reading for school. We love it, and it's super easy and quick to do. My kid, who just turned four years old and has been using the program since January of this year, can now read. Thank you so much, Hooked on Phonics. Even if your child has been struggling, Hooked on Phonics will teach your child to read in just 30 days, guaranteed. And right now, you can get started for just $1. Text the word KID to 323232 right now. It's fast and easy. Text KID to 323232 and teach your child to read in just 30 days, guaranteed. Text the word KID to 323232. Text KID to 323232. Welcome back, everyone. Colm Holland is my special guest this hour. And uh, Colm, maybe we can start off by explaining to our listeners what alchemy is, because I always thought that alchemy was when somebody wanted to change one material to another. For example, lead to gold. Yeah. Well, you're right, Rob. It is. That is exactly what it is. But it's it's whether you wanna, you're one of these people who needs to take everything literally mm -hmm. or whether you're one of these people who can see the, the, the deeper meaning behind the metaphor. Does that make sense? It, um, it does. So lead into gold it was a metaphor that was used. Um, and trust me, there were real people called mm -hmm. alchemists that went back in time down through the centuries and the millennia, way back to three, four, five thousand years ago in Egypt. Um, that's where we think the origins of, of alchemy came from. And these were people who lived in a part of Egypt where, where the pyramids now sit, 
And believe it or not, the desert in that area actually contains gold dust. Mm. And one of the reasons the Egyptians settled in the area, not just because of the fertility of the Nile, but it was also because the desert itself was, was gold and they could extract it and produce all that gold that we find in Tutankhamun and, and those other tombs of, of the ancient pharaohs and so on. So these, who were the alchemists? Well, the alchemists were guys and, and women as well. Uh, that's one of the interesting things about alchemy. It, it wasn't just a male-dominated um, belief system. But yeah, they, they believed that they could utilize, and this is the heart of alchemy, that there is a power that sits in the heart of the universe to which human beings are connected. And this is, this is vital to, to their thinking to the point that you can take one, one level of matter, uh, maybe the lowest level, which was in their mind was lead. But don't forget, you know, getting their hands on lead wouldn't have been that easy either. Mm -hmm. So this is where the metaphor kicks in. And through utilizing various you know, chemical changes, ingredients, incantations uh, and other stuff, over time, they could transmute, as they call that, that material, into something more valuable in the case of gold. Now, there's a couple of guys um, in history who, uh, because alchemy, we nearly lost it completely. Uh, it survived up until the early Middle Ages in various parts of, the, of Europe, particularly North Africa and, and then up through Spain into, into Europe. And it, it broke up into two schools, the northern school, the, the written, the, the symbolic school, uh, the literal school of alchemy was completely jumped on by the Spanish Inquisition uh, and then later by the, by the Puritans, the Reformation movement. And as we moved from sort of superstition into science, it was killed completely, except by one guy, somebody you would never dream of a guy who sat around all day watching apples fall from trees and hitting the ground and writing down theories of gravity. So we're talking about Sir Isaac Newton. Yeah, you got it. So he was an alchemist. Shock, horror. No, no, he wasn't. He was a scientist. No, yes, he was. He was a scientist and he was an alchemist. And we have to thank him. We, I, I owe him a great debt because I've discovered most of what I understand about mm-hmm. him because he bothered to collect whatever books he could find back in the in the, in the uh, 18th century, uh, in the early 1700s. He collected as many books as he could find on alchemy, and they still exist. You can go and see them. They're in um, in a vault in Cambridge University, England. And um, then there was another guy who decided he wanted to study this because of his scientific research into the mind. And that was a colleague of uh, Sigmund Freud. Um, Many of your listeners will know Professor Carl Jung. And Carl Jung, spelled J-U-N-G, not not Jung in in the other uh, pronunciation of the word. Um, He was was studying how the mind works with, with, with Freud. And then went out and broke free of Freud and developed his own thinking of psychoanalysis. And at the heart, this is getting spooky already, okay? This is getting really spooky. At the heart of his theory was his study of 
alchemy because of the works collected by Isaac Newton. So Professor Carl Jung was influenced in his development of the theory of psychology from the very work of the ancient alchemists. He even wrote books on it. Really? So he's even written books on spiritual alchemy. Um, he mixed with a guy called Wolf, Wolfgang Pauli, who was a quantum physicist. I mean, these guys were not um, chaps with pointed hats on, buried deep, you know, in cobwebs, cooking up all sorts of, of horrible things in beakers, in, in test tubes, in, in laboratory. Um, and these were real intellectual thinking people. And what Carl Jung discovered and what uh, has helped me enormously in my understanding of alchemy is the alchemy takes place within us. The transmutation from lead into gold is a metaphor for the transformation of the self, according to Carl Jung, right. from the things that we despise and we, do, we, we hate about ourselves, quite mm -hmm. possibly, the buried matter, the base matter that lives within the unconscious of, so, of all of us. So let me ask you this. What is the difference between alchemy and religion? Alchemy, first of all, is not a religion. And it's completely um, uh, it, it's completely neutral when it comes to, to religion. Many many ancient alchemists uh, were of a, of a Christian tradition. Mm -hmm. Many were uh, were from a Muslim tradition uh, in, in ancient Egypt. There are even Chinese and uh, some um, Far Eastern. But it, but is it now? Can we trying to get the same message across that religions try to get to the I people? Wish. <laughs> Depends on the religion. Um, well, you know, for example, yeah. I'm, I'm a Christian. I go to okay. the Anglican Church and, you know, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. They're yeah. the Ten Commandments, uh, you know. Yeah. And, and the rest of the positive, positive word that we're taught, it seems like, as far as I know and as far as I've heard, that, you know, we're talking about changing ourselves to be better people in both you know, Christianity as well as in alchemy. Yes, if that's the, if that's your faith, mm -hmm. Rob, then you are very close to the to an understanding of of alchemy in in your religion. Would it be safe to say then that alchemy is replacing some religions because of the diversity and because of the contradiction of one religion to another? That because alchemy is neutral, this is where the the fold is now going. There is a school of thought, Rob that says because alchemy predated mm -hmm. most modern religions as right. we know them, even, even ones with historic roots, that many of the origins of those religions that we, that we believe in um, come from alchemy initially anyway. Well, what is the origin of alchemy? So the, the group of philosophers and early scholars, mathematicians, um, astronomers, um, people who helped build the pyramids, people who helped um, work with in chemistry, mm -hmm. uh, early metallurgy, and all of that. Those people uh, had a collective name of, of alchemists, and they did live in Egypt, and they um, had their own religious beliefs as well, and they believed in a guy called Thoth, T-H-O-T-H, -T -H, who was the, um, the deity, if you like, who was the go-between, the the divine, 
the the power that lives within all that that created all that and, and so on, call it whatever you wish god spirit right. whatever and that thoth was the go between between that deity and humanity but there was something really magical that we've we're we're almost in danger of losing in our modern age is that the alchemists did not believe that we were independent or separate from that deity. That that deity was only completed when we humans, homo sapiens, participated in the activity of the deity. Well, isn't that the same thing in Christianity? Depends on your version of Christianity, I believe. But yes, if that's what you believe, absolutely. So... So God does not. God does not in the alchemist word. God or um, they they actually didn't necessarily believe in in a, a monotheistic being. Right. So they might it, that might differ from from some people's version of of Christianity. Rob, possibly they they believed that there was a a force. Star Wars uh, fans are going to love this, of course. That <laughs> they believed that there was a force and. And I've helped in my book, The Secret of the Alchemist, to understand how they viewed that force by uh, giving it a character, by giving it a uh, naming its personality. And the name I, I give, and, and many of the ancient alchemists would agree, is that the, the force of that personality is unconditional love. And there's something quite special about that personality because that personality accepts the human condition without any conditions. All right, stand by. You and I have to take our news break at the bottom of the hour. And Dexon Nation, Cullum Holland is our very special guest. And if you'd like to find out more about Cullum or get a copy of his book, just Google his name. Google his name. Search out his name on Amazon, and uh, you'll be able to get your very own copy of his books. And... Uh, very interesting gentlemen, and we'll be back on the other side of this break as we continue here in the Exxon with yours truly, Rob McConnell from our broadcast center in Niagara, Ontario, Canada. Back everyone. This is the Exxon. I am Rob McConnell, and if you'd like to watch the fine programming we have available for you, 724-365 on the Exxon TV channel, check out Simul TV at www.simultv.com, and for the Exxon Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net. Colum uh, Holland is our special guest for this hour. We're going to be talking to Colin in a second or two about his book. The Secret of the Alchemist. Now, it, it, it seems that alchemy is a place where people just kind of fit in because they didn't fit in anywhere else when it came to their, their, their philosophical beliefs when it came to spirituality. But that, that's probably a good way to view it in retrospect. Mm -hmm. But if, if you can just come on a little time journey with me. Sure. I'm right with if you. We go, yeah, if we go back a couple of thousand years, even predating the birth of Christianity, mm -hmm. what, we, what we've what we forgotten, because our history teachers have got more important things to teach us, but 
Um, if you've got the time, it's well worth the investment as a, in your own study of history. Going back to, say, the time of Alexander the Great, uh, what you'll discover that alchemy was the thinking. This was the predominant thinking. And when, for example, Alexander the Great invaded India, mm -hmm. yes, folks, Alexander the Great did invade India um, for trade reasons, of course. Um, he had, took with him, from records that we've found, at least 120 intellectuals, not soldiers. I mean, he had thousands of soldiers with him as well, but 120 intellectuals who had actually built the first library um, in Alexandria in northern, northern Egypt on the Nile. And most of those books in that library would have been labelled with, with the thinking of alchemy at some point. So what has happened down through the up then through the ages to where we are today is that the the body of the thinking of alchemy has morphed into some other philosophers uh, thinking particularly greek philosophy anybody who reads uh, aristotle or plato will hear what i'm saying and go yeah you know that's what those guys believe as well that's plato was right on this stuff well guess what plato was was would regard himself as an alchemist so it's a it's a it's a whole chunk of a valuable belief um in the resources of the universe to empower us as human beings and we kind of lost now some some aspects of some religions have kept it but there's one critical really critical thing that i think um some religions have lost is that alchemy does not require conformity to a belief system. And it also has this other habit, which I love, of being able to hide itself in plain sight. So let me just tell you a little brief story of why I came to that conclusion. Please. And it's a personal story. So like yourself, I came from a, an Episcopalian a sort of Anglican background, mm -hmm. and I had been on a journey personally in that faith um, for since the age of 18, and when I met Paolo Kahlo and his book, I was 40 years old. So I'd already trodden the path for quite a while. I, you know, I did think of myself as a as a pilgrim of faith. Um, didn't know anything about alchemy though, and when I when, I, when we published the book and when obviously it took off and it was an amazing, it, it was exactly everything I believed it was going to be. Paolo came to Australia. And in, now in Brazil, Paolo has a nickname and the nickname is The Wizard. <laughs> and uh, any Brazilians listening, yes, you know I'm right. And he came to Australia. We gave him uh, his first uh, literary uh, event. He spoke at a literary event, a writer's uh, event in Adelaide, Australia. The queue for people to sign his book went around the block in, of, the, of the building in Adelaide twice. And the organisers, and, and us as well as the publishers, we had never in living history ever seen that kind of response to an author's book. We'd had some great best-selling global authors, and this was this first-time author. So I'm scratching my head at this point going, okay, 
So this book, this story of the shepherd boy blew me away. Now there's this queue around the block. And then he came to Sydney and he said, I want to take you, Colin, and your wife and your publicity manager and, and her partner and my wife's here, Christina, and we're just going to go out for a meal together. And I go, yeah, but what about, you know, the CEO of, of HarperCollins? What about the, the, the marketing director? What about all these, you know, the, the publisher, publishing director? No, 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 just you guys. Because I, I just want to thank you for believing in my book. You, you were the first sort of English language people to, to believe in my book the way you have. Mm-hmm. So we went out, fabulous meal, lovely guy, um, really, really wonderful time. And he said, look, I, I, the meal was nearly finished. And he, he said, I want to thank you both for, for the effort you've put in. And he turned to my colleague, Naomi, and he pulled out. He said, look, I've asked my wife and God what I should give you. And, they said I should give you this, and she opened this little box, and it was a dress diamond ring. And I mean, tears just—I mean, it was. This was worth you know, a couple of thousand bucks, and she was just blown away. And we were clapping. And I, well, I'm amazing. Thank you. You know, she said. And, and then he turned to me, and I'm thinking, ooh, wow, maybe gold Rolex would be nice. Yeah, right it would now. be nice. Yeah. Yeah, I can't afford a gold Rolex. So. I've got the mortgage to pay, got kids uh, to feed. I know that feeling. He looked me in the eye and he said, I've asked God what I should give you. And God told me I should spend a day doing my alchemy magic just for you, Colin, so that whatever you want will come to pass. You just need to decide what you want. Thank you, everybody. Got up got to get an early flight back to Brazil tomorrow, blah, 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 hugs around, off he went, disappeared into the night. And I was left, not with a cold Rolex watch, <laughs> I was left with, I don't know what I was left with at the time. I was going, oh, okay, that was a bit weird. And then stuff started to happen. And this is where it gets spooky. Um I was stuck, as I said right at the beginning, in middle management. I, I was very frustrated. The core feeling of what I felt, and I know there's loads of folk out there listening to this are going to say, yes, I knew what Colin's talking about. I was stuck at that point in the midlife where I thought, is this really as far as it gets, you know, as good as it gets? I've, okay, I, I love my family. I, I've been very happily married for years and years, beautiful kids. I've done okay in my career. It was all right. You know, I wasn't at the top of it. But I had this burning desire that I just knew somewhere that I wasn't really fulfilling my personal destiny. Just a sense that there was more that I could be doing. And what happened with the book, The Alchemist, was that this is exactly the story of the shepherd boy who has the dream and follows the dream faces his fear, takes the risks. And I wanted my own business. I was desperately wanting to run my own business, but I would just block for years from the fear that I was going to wreck my family's financial situation, that I didn't have really have the skills to pull it off. How, did I, how could I believe that I was capable of doing something so adventurous as that? As I went back to the alchemist and began to study the alchemist and began to want to find this secret, because I believe, you know what, there's, there must be something in it. Look at Paolo's success. This book's okay, this alchemist book, but how did it, how, you know, how could such sort a of simple story have such a 
financial impact as it went on and sold millions and millions and millions. And I was going, wow, you know, I knew it was going to be a bestseller, but this is a, this is awesome. Um, and so I, as I read that, two things happened. A couple of guys who were in, in management above me both got jobs somewhere else. They were promoted. They got much better jobs somewhere else. And and I was promoted up through the ranks um, into the places that they, they had. And uh, that happened really quickly afterwards. And then one day I just knew, I don't know where it came from, I just had the courage to go and do this business that I wanted to do on my own. And two years later, I, I mean, I took the plunge. I risked my entire family's financial situation. And I, um, I formed and ran uh, one of the largest uh, digital agencies in Australia. We had 85 staff. Uh, we were managing projects like the Sydney 2000 Olympics with Toyota Australia, uh, Telstra, which is the big telecom in Australia, mm-hmm. and so on and so on. Uh, mega clients, and we made a ton of money. I mean, it, we, we were very successful. And um, I remember going into the bathroom one day, and I just stared myself in the mirror, and I just looked myself in the eye, and I said, "What? How did you get to this position? You one." If you had to put a pin in your timeline in Facebook, what? when would you name the date? Facebook wasn't invented by that. All right, we're going to have to have a bit of a cliffhanger here. We'll find out when that moment was when we return. Uh, and this is our final segment, so please stand by, everyone. One more segment with our guest this hour, Colin Holland. And we're going to be talking to Colin more about alchemy and his book, The Secret of the Alchemist. This is the Exxon. I am Rob McConnell, and Colin and I will be back on the other side of this break. Whatever you do, do not remember, do not go. Explanation. Our guest this hour is Colm Holland, and I must tell you that I this is I've, an hour I have thoroughly enjoyed. It is an hour that, for many of you, are probably sitting at home and saying, "Wow, he's going to tell us what the secret is." Well, it's not a secret. We all know it. It's people like Colm who bring it to the forefront and opened our eyes. And and when you hear it, you say, "That's it. The alchemy is in you." Column in this instance is the alchemist who is changing your life because he is opening your eyes and saying, you know what? You can do it because of this. I believe in perseverance, Column. There have been many yes. times when I've started projects, my wife, my staff, my partners said, you're nuts. And there's been time limits that they've put on, and I said, I'm not going to stop yet. Oh, come on, Rob. Enough is enough. No. 
And I prove them wrong all the time because I believe in perseverance. But I also know that a lot of people that you and I both meet on a daily basis are afraid to take chances, are afraid to listen to that little voice inside of them. Yes. Where does fear play in the world of alchemy? So let's go back to the concept in alchemy of transmutation, which okay. Carl Jung called transformation. The, the power to make a change does come from within, in my experience, mm -hmm. but very often the self, the true self that is able to dream and act on those dreams has been buried, has been pushed down. And ironically, that true self is often despised because the true self carries weakness within it. So if you, if you go into the, the, the thoughts and the teachings of Carl Jung, what you discover is there is this child, the, the inner child of, of, that Carl Jung talks about. Mm -hmm. um, he doesn't actually call it that, but we are, we are the product of all that has happened to us in our lifetime, but also we inherit the lifetimes of others because, just because of the genes. Sure, and we can and, use this very simple analogy. It's our programming. It, our programming but also sometimes are the events that mm -hmm. happen. So many of us grow up being abused. Many of us grow up being wounded. Many of us grow up being bullied. Um, many people, you know, have very difficult living situations, starvation, war, famine, yeah. stuff. And my heart goes out daily to, to everyone who is, is suffering right now. But that those children growing up become the adults who are us, and we have a choice at some point in our life. We have a choice. We can either live out mm -hmm. the pain and those wounds and let them diminish us and let them control us. But yeah, because what I discovered on my journey was that there, there was this um, inner column who was would have this nasty habit when just when I was trying to get positive and make things happen, I was just beginning to believe that, yeah, maybe I could do this dream. I could fulfill it. I could do this thing. He would just come crashing in out of the blue, like, you know, a dragon breathing fire and go, who the hell do you think you are? <laughs> and would project that failure, would project that, that fear of failure, that project those, that weakness, onto others and so I became a bit of a liability to other people and I just didn't like this this person. I just made the decision one day when I was quite young, so this predates alchemy, my, my introduction to alchemy. I, I went on, on the, the, the journey to the dark night of the soul. So I followed the teachings of Thomas Merton. I, I went to the place that most of us just spend all our adult life avoiding and I invited I did know love. I did know that there was a force who loved me unconditionally, thank goodness. And I invited that love to heal those places in me. So when, and he did, he did, she did. It did. It did, love did. And I um, carried that, that treasure within me. So, but I still had that fear of, failing that real block of faith and, and the problem with the fear of failing it's got it's two sides of a coin on one side of the coin and Carl Jung talks about this this is what um, he so eloquently um, 
describes in, in you know in his theory that we are our personality is stamped with a, like an archetype our arch, we we are we behave in certain ways as if we have no control over them uh, we're living out various roles in life and and there are patterns to these and he called them archetypes um, not in the pop sense but in the true sense of an archetype and that quite often is what stops us and blocks us and it's one of those archetypes is full of fear and the way i managed to in the end was it was as i said just before the break that pinpoint in my facebook timeline if there had been a facebook at the time was that meeting with paolo he was able to go in his psyche into the universe and was able to pull on the power of unconditional love and psychically remove those things in my psyche that were standing in the way that I needed, just needed somebody else to give me that nudge. So I, somewhere he knew I'd done the work. He'd spoken to God. God had said, this is what Colin needs. You do the work. And that's the role of the Alchemist. And guess what, folks? We can all do that for one another if we are prepared to be open to unconditional love, whether that's through our religious faith, doesn't matter what faith it is, whether it's through uh, our atheism, that doesn't matter either. If we don't believe in a monotheistic God, that's fine, because that's got nothing to do with alchemy. Alchemy is about something completely universal, that doesn't rely on belief. And so in my book, The Secret of the Alchemist, I take you through the journey that I've been on and through my lifetime. The alchemists call that journey, by the way, the great work. And I hate to say this, but it is work. There is some caring and loving and nurturing work that you are going to need to do to yourself in order for you to be able to offer that to others. We can only give, am I right, Rob, from a place of plenty. That's right. That is so, so true. I'm, in for, I'm up for plenty. You want to give me? I'll take it. If it's love, mm -hmm. I'll take it every moment. Um, if it's uh, the help that Paolo gave me when we're doing whatever is psychic magic, whatever it was, I'll take it. Because if it means I end up living a life of my full potential, if it means that I'm living a life where I can unconditionally love other people and bring about change and benefit to the world around me, I'll sign up for that every day. And if it means I have to go and do some work, yeah, I'll, I'll do the work. And there are so many examples, I'm sure of all of us can instantly think of people in the world today, shining examples mm -hmm. of alchemists. They may not even call them, no, identify themselves of that, but you can see how they've gone from you know meager beginnings and believed and and faced the you know I'm just thinking sometimes I often think of Oprah Winfrey for example yeah. who faced that terrible sexual abuse that she suffered as a but, child. But but is, isn't it possible that it has nothing to do with alchemy at all? That it all has the it's because of your own self-realization, whether it's talking to somebody who inspires you, or even if it's the placebo effect, but. As, as I see it, we all have it in us. Yes. It's, nothing, it's nothing magical. It's nothing miraculous. We all have it in us. And um, we just need to be... I, I, I agree. I agree. Absolutely. Don't want to cut you off there. But um, 
I have adopted the the thought of it as magical and miraculous because for me, life, because of my following the framework, and, and alchemy is just a metaphor. So alchemy is just another way to view life's journey. And one of the things that I've come out of by using alchemy as a, as a, as a lens through which to view my own progress and my own potential is that it life is miraculous. Life can be magical. And I every day... I just wake up now, and can you imagine this, everybody? I wake up every day and say, what what magical thing is going to happen to me, with me? Mm. What magic can I create today? What miracle can can I see manifested from my own my own being? And I and I had some tough times. I, I'm telling you, there was I had the cards stacked against me. Um, as a child, I was locked in a cupboard on a regular basis. For example, I was a real Harry Potter. Wow. I know that's the that's where there's the crossover. With hey, the li- listen, listen, Colin. I hate to do this, but we've run out of time for tonight. I want to yeah. thank you so much for joining us. And Exo Nation, yeah. if you would like to find out more about Colin, or if you'd like to uh, get a copy of his book, it's going to be available on Amazon.com. Once again, our guest has been Colin Holland. Wow. I, I don't know, Exonation. I am one to believe that we all have the answers within. There's nothing magical about it, in my opinion. There's nothing. There's no miracles. It's just looking at that man in the mirror or that woman in the mirror and being honest. Don't be fearful. I agree with Colm when he says that fear plays a, a role in, in success or failure. He may not have used it that way, but that's the way I, I see it. The difference between a dream and reality is just doing it. The dream is your idea, your aspiration, where you want to go. And reality is the result. It's how you got there that brings us all to the point of success that we want to be in. And remember this, my friends. You cannot have success without failure because failure is, failure is the lesson that we all learn to be successful with. I'll be back on the other side of this break at six and a half minutes past the top of the hour as the Exxon continues with yours truly, Rob McConnell. Don't go away.